Hello and welcome to this week's episode from the Veg Grower Podcast. My name's Richard and I am trying to grow my fruit, vegetables and herbs in my allotment and my garden. Now coming up in just a moment, I am joined by Martin from Agriton UK. Now Martin is here to discuss Bakashi composting, something I've heard a lot about over the years but never really looked into. That's coming up in just a moment. Now, usually in our podcast, we have the format, of course, which includes the diary sections. This week's podcast is just going to be slightly different. You've probably already seen that this podcast is quite a bit longer than usual. That's because this conversation is so good that I wanted to get as much out of it as I possibly could. But also, over the weekend, I did go to the allotment and I did do things in the garden. But that has mostly been things like weeding and tidying. I was on call and the weather's been pretty poor, so it hasn't allowed us much time to get outside. And from my point of view, I felt that that was a little bit boring to talk about on the podcast. So this conversation just seems to have worked quite nicely to come out this week. So with that, let me bring in Martin. And I started off by asking Martin a bit about his background. Probably interesting to, to hear my background, actually. Um, so I used to work for blue chip companies for the last 20 years. Um, last year, I had the opportunity to be able to uh, join Agriton UK. Um, and the reason why I joined them was that I just felt that I was taking a lot from, from society, a lot from, uh, from the environment. And for me personally, I just wanted to give back. Um, and the great thing with Agriton is that we're looking to try and introduce things that are really in nature, but in, a, in an easy form. And the problem that we have with nature is that unfortunately nature will always take its own path. And sometimes when we're gardeners or in allotments, we do find that, uh, you know, we, we do the best we can for, for our soil and our environment, but actually then nature takes over. So what we try and do is take parts of nature and then be able to then bottle it or create a product that, that can be used to at least give you the same amount value for money, or if we can, um, uh, a bit more. Fantastic. So you are you are you're of the ethos of working with nature, but to incorporate what gardeners want. We were talking before we were recorded, and you uh, had a bit of a word about getting rid of some of the trees. I'm talking about the allotment. <laughs> yeah. So I, I listened to your 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 last podcast, and you were talking about um, uh, your hawthorn bush and uh, other trees that are around in the allotments. And it's interesting to to, to hear when when people say about getting rid of parts of nature. Um, like anything, you only hear one side of a story when we were talking about the podcast, and actually there is a bit more um, uh, behind the scenes of what's going on. But we uh, we forget sometimes that if you look at Mother Nature and how it works, um, there is things that happen without humans get, getting involved. Um, a good example is a forest. Uh, a forest works, lives, breathes, um, creates uh, nature, creates um, in, an environment for people, uh, for people and uh, for, for animals to live. But if you think about the tree structure and the, the, the shrubs and the flowers and et cetera that grow into that forest, they all work in harmony. And sometimes we forget that actually there's something working behind the scenes to, to create that. Um, and that's microbes. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we do as a company, we are um, based with effective microorganisms. So we take parts of microorganisms that uh, you find in nature and we bottle it into a product. Now, uh, you are actually here to talk about Bakashi composting. And this is a, a term I've heard a lot of, but never really looked into until you approached me. So what is Bokashi composting? Okay, so the, the actual word itself, Bokashi, uh, stands for fermentation. Um, it's actually a Japanese word. The system is no different to what you would do with any kind of fermentation process. So if you're making beer or making sauerkraut, it's pickling or preserving the nutrients and the um, the, uh, the structure of a product. Uh, we use organic matter, so uh, anything like uh, green waste, food waste, um, farmyard manure, and also if you did want to, uh, dog feces, which is a very controversial uh, conversation, but anything that's organic um, and anything that's fresh. So uh, it is a composting system. It produces compost like any other compost so actually no it doesn't no. Um, and one thing that uh, we want to emphasize with Bakashi Bakashi is part of a process so um, we talk to a lot of people that make compost and I then throw a load of stats at them and they go oh that sounds really great but actually 
does it look like soil? Well, the answer is no, it doesn't look like soil. So I try to uh, to give people a comparison. So if you've ever made sauerkraut before, um, a cabbage is a cabbage. And then if you put it through the pickling process, that cabbage is still a cabbage. But what you'll find is the ligament structure, so the actual structure of the cabbage will start to, to break down. Um, but actually, the, the calorie content in a, um, a, a sauerkraut system is actually more. So actually, the cabbage that you created has more energy in a sauerkraut uh, scenario because of the bacterial activity in it. Oh, right. Okay. That's interesting. That's very interesting. <laughs> so we're all made of en- energy. And uh, we discussed a little bit there before we started this podcast about how we're all made of energy and there's energy around the world. Energy is really important because that's how we survive. We need to have a balanced diet, the same as Saul needs a balanced diet. So when we talk about MPK, which is the, the magic words that everyone talks about when it comes to any allotment, what they're forgetting about is MPK is great, but unless our, our system can actually take that MPK up using uh, the the life, the soil life actually in the, the soil, then you, you're literally washing it around down the drain. Mm, yeah, I mean, I always say that to grow good plants and vegetables, we need to look after the soil. It's far more important to feed the soil and, and look after that soil health, which is why I'm a big fan of no-dig gardening. Yeah, and I think the, the thing is, is that when we talk about calories, um, when we look at our own uh, human health, sometimes we forget that actually calories have a, an importance, but also the structure of those calories. So I use an example of milk and yogurt. Uh, if you take 100 ml of, uh, of milk and 100 ml of yogurt, there is more calories in yogurt. Now, the process is, is exactly the same as what we're doing with, with Bokashi. It's a fermentation process, but we're using bacteria in a positive way instead of a negative way to then create a outcome the other side. And I think that's the key thing when we talk about microbes is that um, when we talk about Bokashi, Bokashi uses a thing called anaerobic systems. Now, if you put anaerobic into composting, most people will say that's a negative thing. Um, and there are a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, soil experts that say that anaerobic is bad. Well, mm-hmm. actually, they are slightly right but only in respects to what they're talking about which is normally aeration in, in composting yes so anaerobic composting let's say we had a normal compost bin filled up with grass clippings and it goes all watery and sludgy that's the sort of anaerobic composting that is a bad thing in that scenario i'm guessing yeah and that's the thing is you're not controlling those microbes but if you can control the microbes and you actually and put stuff into that that equation you can make a good bacteria environment when we talk about uh, antibacterial and i talk about this from a human point of view to get people to understand the difference between good and bad bacteria just to emphasize there is actually no bad bacteria in the world. It's just that certain bacteria are harmful to humans. And actually, when we talk about bacteria, we're talking about a structure of a, a blend of, of microorganisms. So I always use the, um, the, the analogy is if uh, people uh, think that antibacterial wipes kill all bacteria, then you're wrong. <laughs> they will kill uh, bacteria for a period of time, but then they will colonize depending on the, the structure. And actually, there is some science in the difference between keeping a natural kind of habitat in respects to a little bit of dirt in your household compared to having a completely antibacterial, bacteria-free environment. Because actually, one, you're going to be cleaning a lot more because those bacteria will love those those scenarios. But also, actually, as a system, um, you are creating a good environment for the bad bacteria to, to multiply very, very quickly. Ah, that's an excuse I can give my wife when it comes to cleaning the outlets. <laughs> yes. uh, so, if somebody that is wanting to get into Bakashi composting, where would they start? The first thing I'd always ask someone that does composting is, what is your output? What are you actually trying to achieve? And Bakashi is part of a system. It's not the system. So when I throw lots of stats at people, they go, oh, wow, this is an amazing system. Let's remember that Bakashi as a system is not soil it has to have a process at the end of the, of the process so we'll talk about the bakashi process in separate terms um mm-hmm. in respects to food waste garden waste and uh manure or, uh, or feces because although they can work together it's, it's easier to to understand uh, the differences between the two 
Um, the the first one that we that I always talk about is food waste, um, and because in the UK we're we're not really understanding food waste can be a food resource, um, people are scared uh, of you know what what the situation is with food waste. I always talk about a, a roast dinner because a roast dinner in in my household is something that we you know we we cook on on a Sunday. And if you leave that chicken carcass in a um, in a brown bin, so we're really lucky. I live in Somerset. We uh, have our um, our food waste collected every week. If I leave that chicken carcass in my uh, brown bin, which is provided by the council, and I left it all week in the sunshine, I can assure you, you will not want to smell that after after a week. And that's everyone's representation of food waste is something that's rotting or putrefaction, smelly, maggot-ridden, etc. But actually, if you process it and make it into a resource, then the smell is not that bad. Um, so the Bokashi process needs um, some materials to, for it to work. The main one is effective microorganisms. Um, so we supply, as a company, um, through Agriton, we provide uh, EM certified uh, Bokashi brand. Now, there are loads of different brand manufacturers out there on the market, um, but we are certified uh, by a company or group called Emro. So Emro were the people that kind of started this technology um, and a guy called Dr. Heger, um, if you're interested in EM technology, go and have a look at emrojapan.com um, and it will show you all the information that uh, Dr. Heger has been developing. He, uh, it is based as a charity, it's not a company. We're, we are based as a sharing as much knowledge as, as possible and we always ask if anyone's listened to this podcast and they want more information, please get in contact with us. We, we're here to share the information, we're not here to, to hide any secrets anything like that but the technology was developed by by accident like anything so the em product has lactic acid bacteria phototrophic bacteria and yeast they're the main groups now uh, everyone always asks me well what strains of bacteria are involved there is a little bit of secrecy. We have to obviously um, have a, a little bit of secrecy in respect to our recipe. We will never give you all the, the, the breakdown, but we can break down a little bit with, uh, with the, the, uh, the different kinds of bacteria. Um, and actually, the harmony of those three areas of bacteria, uh, the great thing about it is that they work in harmony. So um, what happened was Dr. Higo actually uh, mixed these uh, three together by accident. Um, threw it outside his window because he didn't think about it was working and within a couple of weeks the grass started growing more on one side than another and the thing is with microorganisms we talk about uh, harmony or working together and what all that's happening is that you're creating an atmosphere for the good bacteria to, to multiply and grow so now if you then look about for food bacteria um, and actually using it as a food process all we're trying to do is we're trying to outweigh the bad from the good so we're trying to uh, retain the nutrients instead of putrefaction and and um, uh, decomposition. So if you think about your chicken carcass, if you then put some effective microorganisms, so in food waste we put Bokashi bran, uh, Acton Bokashi bran on the top, uh, and then we sprinkle it on the top, and as long as it's kept in anaerobic system and we've outweighed the bad from the good, that will then keep forever. Wow, Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so anaerobic is a really important part. And what I, uh, what I try and compare people to is uh, when, you, uh, when you use vacuum bags to, uh, to keep meat uh, uh, fresher for longer, what do you do? Take out the oxygen. Oh, take out the oxygen. So actually, that's an anaerobic system as well. So there yep. is some science behind actually that, that, that system. Um, but the thing is with, uh, with the Bokashi system is that you can put anything into the system so um, you can put meat you can put dairy products you can put vegetable feelings now if you then put a put into my um, my situation my Sunday roast I can cut all my vegetable peelings uh, into the into the system and I can then cover it I can put all my food scrapings uh, from my leftovers into that uh, that bucket and then also the chicken carcass and anything else that's uh, that's a waste into that system um, but also it's a really good way of kind of looking at your own waste because you can actually physically see that food waste. And one thing it has done in my own personal household is that I now find it harder to fill that bucket up because I'm now looking at the wastage that's, uh, that's there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a, a big proponent of being against food waste. 
So the problem that we have as a company is that actually we, we agree with you. It's um, We would actually like um, the bigger companies to take more responsibility. And we live in a society where big is better and you buy more and you save more money. But actually, if you think about the quality of those products, and that's a really important thing, when you're growing your own vegetables and, you know, the great thing with Bokashi is you can now put this into your own sort of central system. A lot of people say to, to us, um, I use Bokashi and my carrots taste more carroty. <laughs> and uh, actually there is some science behind it. That's for microbes that are caught, uh, creating that, that environment. Now, the other thing as well, there's been some new research in, in generally with, with you know any kind of vegetable and how much nutritional value is in, is in it. So sometimes when we talk about um, uh, food waste, actually there's a bigger story to have. And you know hopefully in the future, these supermarkets will will hopefully have a standard, like a, a consumer uh, a standard on the, their vegetables so they can prove their nutritional value of their, their carrots. Because actually, buying a good quality carrot compared to 10 not-so-good quality carrots is better for your own health as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So it's very fascinating, I've got to say, completely, <laughs> like, I think you said before we started, this is going to completely blow my mind, and I'm already like, ah! <laughs> and I think this is the thing with... Um, Sometimes, as as generally as humans, we we put something into something and then we get an output. And as long as we get an output, we don't really ask any questions. My job, really, in Agriton is to to start making you understand the the, the whole system as a whole. Because actually, um, it's not just to do with the science; it's you know your inputs. So your food waste that we've now created within two weeks, you've got something you can then put back into into your garden. Now, a lot of People say to me, well, how does that work? Because isn't it going to be full of, uh, you know, smells and, 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 and bad bacteria? We use a low pH. Um, so the actual uh, uh, system itself is using lactic acid bacteria as, as the dominant bacteria. So we talk about pH in soils, um, also the same with, with composting as well. And I said at the beginning of this interview, the Bokashi process is not compost. Mm -hmm. So if you took that um, you know, that chicken carcass out of of, uh, of your food waste bin, it's still going to be a chicken carcass. And sometimes people look at it and go, oh, it hasn't worked. It doesn't look like soil. Well, actually, that is the first process because you're retaining the nutrients, you're retaining the carbon, so there's no um, uh, loss in, in, in energy. And now I'm going to put that energy back into the soil. Now, it's quite a simple process. All you do is dig a trench, uh, and then literally put that food waste back in, into into the soil. Over the period of time of fermentation, you will get some liquid. And uh, the buckets that we sell have a little tap on the bottom, and that's full of microorganisms. So don't chuck it uh, chuck it away. It has some uses. Uh, the main one that I personally use it for is drains. Um, so if you put it down your drains and you do have fat content or um, uh, buildup of uh, residue on the pipes, the microbes will love that. They'll actually attach themselves to that and they'll start eating away that, that organic matter and clear your drains. So that's how I use it personally myself. Um, but you can use it as a foliar um, a spray as well. So if you're getting a lot of uh, disease on your plants, those microbes, those good microbes, plus all the uh, other liquids that are coming from uh, from the uh, the organic properties, you can then spray that on your, on your uh, leaves. And again, it's outweighing the good and bad bacteria. So you're actually making a a barrier for any kind of disease to stop on, uh, disease on, on plants so actually you will get a more healthier um, plant as well wow wow i mean I, i've used wormeries for many many years for our food waste and obviously we get the failure feed out of it we get compost but it's a, a very long process well, you can actually use Bokashi in that process. So the problem is, uh, although uh, people think worms have teeth, they don't. Mm. So if you think about the structure of your Bokashi, um, that will then start to break down. So um, the ligament structure of a, a thing like a, a leak, etc., you'll be able to bend it and you'll be able to squish it in, in your hands because you've started fermenting it. If you put that into a wormery, it's like pre-digested food for them. It's like fast food. So actually, it will be a lot quicker with your vermin co composting. Oh, wow. Well, you're selling me on this, I've got to admit now. Um, so, I mean, obviously, this is food waste. And you said there you can also use the same... Garden uh, waste. Garden waste, that's yeah, it, yeah. green waste. And um, uh, uh, manure, shall we say. 
So I'm going to do what any presenter hates is turn this question back on to you, actually. Okay. So you compost yourself, don't you? Yes. What is your output? Because I said to you, I will always want to ask the question of what is your, what's your output? Why do you compost yourself? I, I compost myself because I'm too cheap to go and buy compost when it's available Oh, I can make my own in a in a small area, and it's a free resource that does great in my garden. I don't produce enough of it, granted, so I still have to buy it in. But the aim is to try and produce enough compost that I don't have to buy it in. So, in respect to not uh, not generating enough, is it because it's taken a long time for that process to happen, or is it to do with the amount of organic matter you're putting into that system? Um, I would say it's one due to space. I can only really spare so much space for composting uh we have plenty of organic matter we compost everything that is compostable so i I would say it's down to those two reasons more than anything and how much do you bring in how much fertilizer how much uh topsoil etc do you bring into your system roughly um well i brought in terms of compost a couple of years ago 2021 this was i brought 625 liter bags of compost and that lasted the year okay so <laughs> quite so, a bit and uh, this is what i want to kind of point out to you you said you didn't have enough space but you brought in six times yeah. 125 uh, tons into your system so um the problem's not actually to do with um how much you're producing it's just time because yeah. the problem is with composting generally it takes a, a lot of time for it to, to work and the reason why i'm saying this is that um when you're using a bakashi process it's a lot quicker so you can get uh something you can put into your soil and again remember that it's a part of a process it's not the process but you can put something back into your soil within 12 weeks so it's a very quick process um but what people normally expect with composting is I have 100 tonnes and then I have 40 tonnes back. Mm-hmm. With this process, you have 100 tonnes and you can get between 70 and 90 tonnes back. Oh. So in respects to if your overall goal, and this is what I say to people when they use a Bokashi process, if your overall goal, goal is to make something reduce in size, then Bokashi is probably not your, your system. But... What you are retaining when using Bokashi is carbon and nutrients. And I'm going to throw some stats in respects to to, yeah. to what they are. So we've done some experiments um, to, to try and obviously justify the process that we do. Think about composting, though, and how that processing works. This doesn't take into consideration your physical time and effort in, in moving the system. So we're using an anaerobic system, so no, no oxygen. Uh, with any kind of composting system, the best composting is using aerobic. So the key things with aerobic is water, um, so making a moisture content uh, so the microbes can move around the system, and air. Uh, And that's to do with heat. And heat is the most important part. So thermal composting needs a heat, and it needs to be constant heat. Now, we don't use any heat with uh, Bokashi system because it's an anaerobic system. So you can use it 365 days of a year. And so you can compost, in inverted commas, <laughs> um, the system uh, uh, through the year. But to put it into context, um, we did some leaf mulch. So leaf mulch at this time of year, although I'm now saying this in November, where we should be saying this in October, but as we all know, <laughs> the leaf mulch is, is, is available, um, actually has a really good carbon to nitrogen ratio. So uh, the Bokashi system uses a very similar system to composting. Um, the difference being is the ratio. So normally with composting, you would like to get to a 30 to 1 carbon to nitrogen ratio. Um, and the reason for that is the carbon to nitrogen ratio is food and fuel for the microbes to do their work we work on a 20 to 1 carbon to nitrogen ratio so first thing people say to me straight away is oh no i don't know what what ratio of 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 a carbon to to nitrogen i have in whatever i'm putting in if you go to our agtondirect.com website we've made a compost calculator for you to make it even easier so you can literally put in anything and we have some very random stuff in there so we have alpaca uh, poo we have um uh, uh you know, uh, grass cuttings, uh, normal leaves, and you can then put a ratio in. Now, the ratio uh, is to do with how much you're putting of something in. So uh, if you're doing 20 to 1, that's a 20 carbon to 1 nitrogen ratio. If something is 25 to 1, it doesn't mean it won't work. It just take a little bit more time for the microbes to do their, their work. And leaf mulch is probably the, the best one because normally you put it into a big pile and you just let Mother Nature take its course. And the problem that you have, though, is you let's take our 100 tonnes again. 
you put 100 tons in and then you make 40 tons. So for all that effort, you've lost a, a big percentage in, in, that, in that side. So these tests were done in, in Netherlands uh, in 2016. So the starting material was 13,400. So um, the actual kilograms, and it was a like-for-like -like comparison. One was an aerobic system using aeration and rotation, and one was an anaerobic system, which is not moving it at all. Now, we have to put stuff into the anaerobic system for it to work. So the first thing someone says to me is, well, I'm trying to be organic, I'm trying to be natural, etc. You're you're saying about putting stuff in. Uh, both products that we use that you need, uh, ActiFirm, which is the uh, microbes themselves, is organic approved. Um, and the gear, which is seashell grit, which I'll talk about and why we put that in later, <coughs> is uh, also organic approved. So actually the process is fully organic. Um, but you do have to put something back in. Now, if you look at the, uh, the starting material, with the aerobic composting, you're looking at 5,701. With anaerobic, you're looking at 13,870. Now, straight away, there's quite a difference in, in the amount of, uh, of, um, uh, of material. So we started with 13,400 with both scenarios. And after the process is, is done, with the aerobic, which is obviously taking a lot of time, you're looking at 5,701 kilograms left. And with anaerobic, you're looking at 13,870. Now, first things first, people then ask me, well, that's more than you had before. Well, you need to add some stuff with the anaerobic system. So the two things we, we added was water. Um, so you need to have a 60 to uh, 40 to 60% water content. The way to look at it is if you have a sponge and you kept a sponge in, in your hand, as long as it's not dripping out, that's how wet it needs to be. You need Actifirm. So for every ton of organic matter you're, you're, you're processing, you need two litres of Actifirm and you need 10 kilos of a gear. So a gear is seashell grit. Um, and that's really important for the pH. So we talked about pH before with the actual processes as a low pH. Well, composting generally needs a higher pH. So actually when you compost, you need a pH of around eight to, for it to, to, to process. So you have to add that into the, the equation. But this is the key bit. And the bit that people forget is that when you have that much matter back, you have more back in the process. So in respects to dry matter, so actually the output the other side, you are looking with aerobic, you're looking at 1,384 from our 13,400. And with anaerobic, you're looking at 3,079. Now, that dry matter is only part of the equation. You also have organic matter as well. Um, but if you take the carbon, which is the key one, and everyone talks about carbon and how much carbon we need to put into, into this process. If you look at the carbon content in aerobic, you've gone down to 441. And with anaerobic, you've gone to 1040. So remember, this is a breakdown of each of the processes. It's not the all, the all in conclusion. But actually, the key one is the carbon. Now, the question I would like to ask you is, where's that carbon gone in aerobic? My guess... Um, is that it's gone into the atmosphere. Yeah, and we forget sometimes that actually composting as a system has some losses. Now, I asked you the question of what your output is, but I speak to a lot of composters, and they say to me, the most important part of my composting is from the environment. <laughs> so my, my feedback to them is, you are composting, but you are releasing carbon dioxide co2 so carbon and oxygen into that system and that's because of heat yeah and when you create heat you then create an output and the output is carbon dioxide now okay it's not methane it's not it's not a um, as harmful as as some of the other greenhouse gases but it is an output so when people look at bakashi as a process for things like leaf mulch actually i said to you it didn't look like a soil but actually leaves are near enough soil in, in context so actually the output looks very similar to soil um but the uh, the other thing to talk about is nitrogen now we had a conversation before obviously with, with nitrogen and nitrogen is always a big buzzword 
Would you agree? Yes, definitely, definitely. <laughs> it's one of the reasons that we tend to grow field beans or green manures to pot nitrogen into the soil. So nitrogen is part of a process. Yeah. Um, we know nitrogen is the growth side of, of, of plants through photosynthesis. But actually, if you look at the uh, the nitrogen content of compost in anaerobic and aerobic using the Bakanashi process, we have two different types. We have mineral and we have organic. Now, the reason why we have two is that one's a slow release and one's a fast release. Same as us. If we want instant energy, we would probably use an energy drink to be able to, to, to perk us up. But as we all know, we will probably crash if we keep on, on with energy drinks. So we also need slow release, which is normally carbohydrates. Now, there's some kind of synergy now between carbon and carbohydrates with our own uh, human nature. And actually, the soil needs that, that structure as well. Um, but if you look at nitrogen and, and mineral, um, you are increasing uh, the amount of mineral and organic, not just because of the process, but actually because of the organic matter. You've got physically more organic matter, so more stuff that you're going to put back onto the land, which will create more, uh, 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 more nitrogen. We talked about energy, so we talked about milk and, and yogurt, and uh, that process obviously with milk and yogurt, the yogurt has more calories in it. So that's the same with this process as well. So the millijoules of, of energy um, on aerobic, you're looking at 67.9 in, in this test. With anaerobic, you're looking at 193.9. Wow, that's quite a difference, isn't there? That's a huge difference. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm I'm just looking at this uh, this man's shock face when I when I look at it. We forget sometimes that energy is really important, and energy is important for us as well as it is for the soil. So energy gives us the opportunity for the soil to be able to 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 do something with it. And what farmers are are finding now is that we can't chuck any more nitrogen onto the soil. And that's because of the percentage that's coming back. And obviously for the allotment owners and, and the, the, the garden owners out there, it's probably something that they don't use, they don't understand because they, they're not in it, um, in that in that process. But farmers are having the same problem. They are trying to put foliar or uh, granular uh, fertilizers onto their, their soils, but the soils can't take it. And you can only put so much um, uh, into a system without the soil not being able to process it. And that's to do with organic matter. So you obviously bring in soil to top up your organic matter. Now, with this Bakashi process, um, you aren't going to get something the other side that looks perfect like soil. But within a couple of weeks, and the same with the food system, the soil food web will do the work for you. So you, what you'll notice straight away is that earthworms, and we were talking about vermicompost and obviously loving uh, bakashi, they love this low pH and actually they can eat it and, and process it a lot quicker, which means that when you, after th uh, three or four weeks of digging it up and mulching it into your own topsoil, you'll start to get more life in that soil. And the life bit is the most important part because without that life, we don't have a uh, living soil. Definitely, definitely. I mean, the, the, the sign of a good soil is how many worms you have in the uh, ground, I always feel, anyway. Yeah, and, and do you know what? Um, as a top tip for any any gardener, that is a good way of, of telling um, you know, how much uh, life is in, in the soil, is looking at worm content. What I would always say to, to, um, to people that are looking to try and rejuvenate their, their soil, you don't need to spend thousands of pounds on testing kits. I'm not saying you won't get a good, you know, you will get more information. And as a company, uh, Agton, we, we do a lot of, we have our, our own agronomist and, you know, we do a lot of research and, and obviously soil structure, etc. And he would say to me straight away, yes, the more data I have, the more I can analyse and the more informed decision I can make on, on the soil. But actually just putting your, uh, your fork in and and just digging up some soil will give you the ability to have a look at it but what i will, will now ask all all your uh, all your um your listeners is now if you use a spade instead of a fork have a look at the structure because the structure is really important because uh at the top of the um the the, the soil is a thing called humus so humus is like having a coat it's, a, uh, it's our kind of blanket over our, our, our soil. And that is our food source for our, our, our living atmosphere. So Bakashi is that pre-digested, it's that, like a humus. And it just means that the 
soil food web can do a bit more processing to be able to process it back down in, into the soil. So instead of just chucking something on there and hoping for the best, you're now making an informed decision on what you're going to do. But the bigger you can make that humus, so the bigger you'll see the different layers of, uh, of the soil, the more life you'll have in that soil because the easier it can be processed. I mean, I've recently heard of people testing their soil by placing a pair of pants in the ground and seeing how much of the pants is left at the end of a couple of week period, I believe. Yeah, it's an old farmer's, <laughs> uh, farmer's way of doing it. It actually works really well. Um, but it's the same process. It's using your the um, you know the nematodes, the earthworms, etc., the, the living matter in there to, to be able to process it. And they're looking for food sources as well. And that's what farmers used to do. They used to literally um, der- uh, bury some uh, some pants into, into a field to be able to then look in a couple of months' time to see how it actually um, looks at the other side. Um, but I think, you know, this is the thing with green waste. Now I'm calling it a green resource. We have so much resources in our garden, which has so much content that can be, if it's processed the right way in an anaerobic system, can produce a lot more for for, um, uh, for your soil. Um, and I think this is the thing is it as a as any kind of gardener allotment, you really need to start thinking about how much you're you're putting into the system. Firstly, we know that peat is not going to be around for very much longer. Mm-hmm. That is a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to find alternatives as 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 a society. Um, just to make you aware, the reason why peat bogs are, are, are being stopped is because of the carbon content that uh, peat bogs uh, produce. And we know why now why people put peat in their gardens because it's good for sucking in moisture and things and uh, good humus yeah. in your ground. Um, so the carbon bit. But that Mother Nature needs to for the peat bogs. We also need our soil. So all this organic matter that we're now taking away, so we're not putting peat back into the into these, these soils. We need to find an alternative. We need to find something with a carbon content to be able to grow our vegetables, etc. And unfortunately, what you'll find with most composting systems is exactly what we just talked about: aerobic versus anaerobic. Aerobic is taking the carbon out and it's taking the, the energy out of the soil. So it doesn't matter how much more you're going to chuck on it, you're going to actually have to put in double the amount of compost, as in organic material, that's not peat-free to get the same amount of carbon. Or you can start looking at what you have in your own garden and, and using that carbon source that's already there. Wow, wow. Completely blowing my mind. I think he said before we started this, it would blow my mind, and uh, it's already happening. Um, but let's go back to this. If the listener at home is wanting to get into um, Bakashi composting, yep. where would they start? Um, so the best thing to do is is um, we do uh, direct. Um, so the products that you need is uh, Actifirm, which is the effective microorganisms. Um, so that can be bought from our website direct um, through actondirect.com. Um, you also need a gear as well, which is seashell grip. Um, but we also, as a company, want to, to emphasise we're not here to make money. And I know uh, most of your listeners are now listening going, oh, no, he's just saying that because it's a company. If someone wants to make their own active firm, we will give you the tools to be able to make it. So actually as a product, um, the effective microorganisms uh, are based in a product called EM1. So it's a brewing process. Uh, and when we talk about Bokashi brand, um, that is another part of our process. So I always talk to customers about where you start is is easiest part, point. So for food waste, use Bokashi brand and a Bokashi bucket, buy it. Get used to it. And then if you feel like you want to do more, let's look at some other DIY options. For myself, I love brewing beer. So I, I love to buy beer from a shop because the professionals have done it and it <laughs> is a lot better than my home brew. But I also like to have my own home brew because of the self-satisfaction. And the same with our effective microorganisms. As a company, uh, instead of buying Actifirm with your green waste and your a gear, we can give you the tools to be able to find alternatives so Actifirm is just a brewed version of em1 so em1 if you do a google search for em1 em1 is the what we call the mother liquid it's for dormant effective microorganisms so to wake them up you'll need water and you'll need sugarcane molasses and you'll need some kind of heat source and you can brew this in your own uh, brewer and you can make your own Actifirm wow uh, so a lot cheaper uh, to do it. But the only thing we say as a company is if you buy Actifirm first, you know what it smells like, 
you know what it looks like, you know what it, what, what it should be like, and it will give you a good opportunity then to understand how you brew your own. We'll give you instructions to do it and we'll always talk you through it. The only two uh, problems you have is one, if you're brewing up to 220 litres, which we, we sell up to, uh, if the batch goes bad, that's 220 litres you've lost. And secondly is um, it's uh, the contents of that fermenter uh, has to be used very quickly because it's not in an airtight con uh, condition. With our products with Activerm, we use a bagging box, which is like a wine box, uh, and it just lasts longer. So a normal shelf life on Activerm, you're looking at a year. If you brew it yourself, you're looking at six months. Wow, so it lasts quite a while. And how often or how long would that typically last in the home? So Bakashi Bran, um, to to process uh, a 16-litre tub, you're looking at 220 grams of Bakashi Bran. It's literally a sprinkle over the top. So every layer, roughly about 40 grams. Uh, it's not perfect science, so if you put more in or less in, it's not, not an issue. It's just so it covers the top of the food layer. Um, and uh, with the uh, garden waste... The Actifirm and the gear, you'll need two litres of Actifirm per tonne and you'll need 10 uh, kilos of a gear. Now, I said, obviously, the EM1 can become Actifirm and Actifirm is actually our Bakashi brand. So it's uh, wheat bran and it's then uh, brewed with the Actifirm. So if you want to make your own Bakashi brand, you can. Now, we've heard of a guy called Josh Sparks. Uh, he's a, he's on Instagram. He has painted this. No, he hasn't really painted it, but <laughs> it is his, his idea. And what he's actually done, he's, he's brewing his own Actifirm. So he's using um, uh, EM1, sugarcane molasses, and water and brewing his own. And he's mixing it with coffee granules. Now, um, when I uh, before this uh, interview, we were discussing obviously as a company, you know, we we don't want to make money. Of course, someone's going to pay my wages. Yeah, yeah. But we as a company actually don't want to import water. It sounds ridiculous. We're trying to reduce the carbon footprint. We're not trying to increase it. So actually, we would love people to to brew their own. But it's convenience. It's like anything. You know, if you're brewing your own beer or you're buying it from a shop, if you've got friends coming over and your brew's not ready, you're going to have to go to the shops and buy it anyway. Um, but it's really important to, to think about how you are going to use it and if you're going to use it continuously because we want people to, to use it, utilise it on a regular basis. The other thing to, um, to talk about is with the garden uh, waste, the green waste, you will need active firm, but you also need a thing called a gear. So a gear is seashell grit. Um, it's lime. Um, now, a lot of people say to me, well, uh, I've got horses, etc. I use lime in, in my stables. Lime is used as an antibacterial properties. Now, obviously, we were talking about bacteria, and we don't want to kill the bacteria. So the reason why we use seashell grit is it's a slow release. It increases the pH very, very slowly instead of it just killing all the microbes. But if you have uh, an opportunity, and I know you're, you're near the, the seaside here, if you've got access to other seashells that you can just pick off a beach, um, that will work as well. Just need to grind them up into, into, a, a, into a, 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 like a really fine grit, and you can use that in the process as well. Oh, it's even better, even better. I know a lot of people are going through the cost of living crisis at the moment and struggling to find money. So I like this idea that you're actually able to encourage people to make their own, even though it's doing you out of business. <laughs> yeah, and I think this is the thing, is that we, as a company, we, we're looking for the long-term effects and long-term goal. You know, uh, carbon is such a big buzzword with, with people at the moment. Um, and I talk to a lot of composters and gardeners, and they go, you know, I'm compost because of environmental effects, blah, blah, blah. And it's not their fault. Bakashi, just to make you aware, is not a new system. It's been around for hundreds of years. So fermentation is something we, we all know, um, but actually the Bakashi process is, is quite new. It's, um, Dr. Higa was developing it in the 1970s and 1980s. He was the one that kind of put these uh, microbes together. So it's quite a new system. But this is a very Asian culture, um, uh, utilising what we have already in the land. In Western society, unfortunately, we rely on quick fixes. And America is a good example of, of, of what's happening with the world. They are trying to output more yield, not quality, more quantity. And the soil just can't take it. And we now have dust um, and, and dirt. And I always say to people, when you're bringing in compost, smell it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you know what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, definitely. Oh, there's a very almost sweet smell to good compost. 
And that's microbes. Yeah. Microbes are doing that that work, and they're they're processing behind the scenes. And you know, we as a uh, as a society in Somerset, um, uh, the council pick up the food waste now. Try not to get too political about it, but something I want to to, um, to to point out is that that food waste you're giving to the council is going into an anaerobic digester. Now, the anaerobic digester creates energy, so big tick. We know that you know we have we've got an energy crisis in the UK, um, but the output is digestate. Now, digestate can be used as a compost. The problem is. The energy that's used for the, the process of, of creating the energy in the anaerobic digesters is obviously being used for creating electricity. So the output, the other side, has no energy in it. Yeah. So it has organic matter, i.e. it's got a quantity of it, but there's no energy in that. In that. You could literally chuck hundreds and hundreds of tons onto your, onto your plot, but it won't give you that structure that, that's needed for the, the biodiversity. And... I would always say to to anyone that is in that scenario where they're saying, well, my food waste has been collected from council, I'm ticking a box. Think about it from your own uh, your own facilities. If you're bringing in compost into your own garden and you could use Bokashi in that system, wouldn't it be better to use it in your own system than actually going into, into that system? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, again, we have a um, green waste collection here, but we don't send anything to it. We've, everything's composted here although now i'm going to be doing bakashi as well <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing is that um i i keep saying about the um um the thing with uh with the systems bakashi is not the system because straight away some people just want to have soil and what we're trying to do especially with composters is that you could in theory do both yeah. so you could do anaerobic and aerobic to give you the good and bad in both scenarios because you know the the bad with bakashis is not sore and the good with compost and it is sore so actually you can use it in in, in a joint system um but we've talked about bakashi as a system um in respect to affected microorganisms um but actually you can utilize it for your own composting to do it the other way now this is a real controversial thing because I've come on this podcast to talk about bakashi, but actually affected microorganisms um, are working what we call facultative, so they can work in an anaerobic and aerobic system. So let's take our food waste for example. I don't want to put it into a, into a trench, um, and I want to do something else with it. You could put it into your compost heap, and those microbes will work in an aerated system, so they actually will speed up the process. Oh, okay. So let's just say my my output, my goal is to make something that's big smaller. So um, first things first, obviously I'm going to take my environmental hat off because actually this conversation is now losing my carbon, losing my energy. But if you're trying to produce more compost, more soil, you could put that food waste into your compost system. It's facultative, it will work in an aerated system and it will accelerate that temperature. So first things first, you'll get the temperature up to 70 degrees a lot quicker because there's more energy in that system, because we're using the food waste, which has been preserved, etc., you will have a higher temperature for a longer period of time. So actually, you would increase that time. So you'd have compost within three months. Wow. Wow, that's pretty quick. <laughs> would, would using that sort of system, and if we had, a, say, a chicken carcass, would that attract rats or anything? Is that going to be a problem? So this is the thing with, with vermin. And uh, actually, it's the same with digging it into, your, into uh, your food waste, into your um, your garden. Um, animals are always... They always have a look. They always have a smell. And, you know, if you've got dogs and et cetera, they will have a, a sniff around. So I would always, if you're using your food waste in your own uh, in your own garden, I would suggest 12 inches as a rule of thumb, um, just so you can put some earth on the top. As long as they can't smell it, then, then there's not an issue. If you're putting it into a compost um, a bin, straight away people go, well, as you said, a chicken carcass in there, that's going to create rats. The best compost is actually to aerate. So if you're aerating it every week, which is really what you should be doing anyway, rats won't like that because they will be disturbed on a regular basis. Will they eat some of it? Well, the answer is they will chew on it, but it's a low pH. So they'll chew on it and I'll go, I don't want that. And they won't then, they'll they'll walk away from it. So in respects to kind of vermin, etc., if you are in an urban area, and I would always, you know, you have to look after your neighbours as well as yourself. Yeah. I, I would always... 
think about that system, etc. If you're in the countryside, then yeah, that's you know you're not going to have you're always going to have rats in when it comes to the countryside. There's not going to be any difference if you put that food waste into that system. But in respects to safety, because what people worry about is things like salmonella, E. coli, etc. Remember, at the beginning of this interview, I said that bacteria is only harmful for humans. Actually, there is some science in those bacteria being good for your soil, but that's a uh, different podcast. Um, actually, um, in respects to that, you're lowering that pH and you're killing all those pathogens. So we've done tests ourselves um, to make sure that it's safe to put in the soil. And it conforms to all the standards uh, in the UK. So, yeah, in respects to safety, it's, it's safe to do. Fantastic, fantastic. If we were doing this on mass scale, say in a farm or something, is this something that can also be replicated in that scale? Yeah, and actually it's more important in the farm scenario than it is in any other scenario, and that's because of nitrogen. And we talked, we yeah. discussed earlier on about the, the nitrogen crisis that we have in the UK. So for our farmers that are on our lands at the moment, for the gardeners, we need to get them to understand you know, the situation they're in. So farmers get a bad publicity on a regular basis because what they believe is that they have to have more grants, etc., to be able to produce more food. And the problem is in the UK is that actually we have just got into a, a population of eating the same things over and over again. And actually for biodiversity, that's really bad. So permaculture and no-till, no-dig, etc., is becoming quite a big thing. And actually the natural process is becoming uh, more reputable because um, farmers are now seeing that there's better yield, better quality and, and, and more diversity, which is easier, easier to sell. But we still have big farms and especially in the southeast, you know, that's a big part of the economy. Um, and farms are having to put nitrogen onto the, the farms to create more growth. Now, we as a um, as a company believe that you can get the same better nitrogen led levels out of farmyard manure than you can actually out of uh, using conventional chemical-based properties. And the reason why we say that is that actually if you've got agriculture there, um, you possibly may have the access to um, other things like um, cows or sheep, etc., that create feces. And actually poo generally has a really good nitrogen level. Um, the problem is with nitrogen is that you need to preserve it. You need to keep it in that system. So if we take it from a farmer's point of view, normally what happens is you have cows, a mixed arable farm. Um, so you'll have cows and sheep, etc. They are normally bedded up this time of year uh, and they are then bedded up. And normally you put the bed in as a layering system. The layering system is because uh, you're creating more warmth for them and actually you're trying to suppress the bad bacteria and make their animal health better. And actually in the UK, we have some of the best farmers when it comes to animal health. The problem is, though, is when those cows go out back into the, the, the green pastures, what do we do with that, that stuff afterwards? So it has a value. It has some nitrogen in it. So what they normally do is they, they uh, scoop it out. Um, when we scoop it out, it's normally an anaerobic system because the, the animals have squished it down. Mm -hmm. Um, now we're going to put some air with it and straight away we start to create some heat. And uh, it does make me laugh that I remember a time when my granddad used to show me these big piles of, 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 of cow manure and see the steam coming off it. And uh, he would say, oh, within a couple of months, that'll be perfect to put on my field. Now think about that process. What are we losing in that process? Carbon. Carbon. <laughs> so straight away... That carbon is, is obviously being lost, so that's not going in as much into our soil. And we have the same process, so we have 100 tonne now becoming 40 tonnes. Now, in that process, it takes some time. So normally you, you're, you have a steaming pile in the poo in the corner for at least eight months, maybe 10 months, sometimes a year, depending on the weather, and the rain pours on it, and all the uh, microbes are being washed out because the rain is, uh, is is giving them legs and they're now running down the, the stream. So it takes a long time for it to decompose. What if we pickled it? What if we pikashied it? What if we fermented it? What if we kept those nutrients in that system? And what we've designed is a system where we can actually use the active firm, which we've uh, we've discussed with the, uh, the green waste, in the farmyard process. Now, first things first, 
we've talked about antibacterial and we've talked about bacteria being good and bad. It's the same with animals. So if you think about um, a, a system where you, you're carving and you've got animals in, in an environment, you're trying to outweigh the good and bad. Now, normally, you use some kind of uh, a way of increasing the pH very quickly. Um, so we talked about a seashell grit. And obviously, we, don't, we want a, a, a low um, pH, but we also want to increase it through composting. It's the same system when it comes to uh, to any kind of animal health. We're trying to make sure that the good bacteria outweigh the bad bacteria. And the way that they do that normally in farming is to layer it. So actually, you are kind of squishing it down and, and kind of forgetting about it. If you use Actifirm, so we use the same system as we do with a green waste, and we use two litres of Actifirm per tonne of straw or bedding. Um, and you spray it on the top, first things you're you're creating is a good bacteria atmosphere. So farmers always look at animal welfare as a priority because obviously it doesn't cost them as much money. Um, so although we, we you know you see all these scare stories of, of of animals being you know mistreated, I can tell you now farmers don't want that because it costs them money. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we can create a good uh, bacteria atmosphere, we have the ability then to um, start that process happening before we even pull it out. So what you do is you do one ton of bedding. You then spray with, we call it a knapsack spray. It's like a real fine mist you put over the straw. It creates a good atmosphere for the animals. And the animals now do all the work for us because they're going to step on it. And they're going to create that anaerobic system. So that squishing that we need to create the anaerobic to, to not have the oxygen, the animals are going to do that. And we do that same process over and over and over again. So at the end of the process, the cows have done all the work for us. All we're going to have to do is maybe top it up with a little bit of water because we still need some water content just to make sure it's been mixed well. But when we pull it out, all we need to do now is sheet it. And within 12 weeks, we have something that is carbon rich, nitrogen rich because we're retaining all those nutrients, um, but also spreads a lot better because that structure of that straw is now uh, broken down. So if you think about it from a farmer's point of view, they don't have to run back and forth so much because um, it will spread further, but also it's pre-digestive of us all. Wow. Wow. (laughs) It's hard to find a fault with it from what you're saying as well then. The problem we have is... um, it is another process. So when we talk about farmers, um, the actual process that we have to begin with, we had a gear seashell on it. And a gear seashell has a, a price to it. And we had a lot of farmers say to us, what if I take it out? What if we take it out? And the answer is you, you can take it out in respects to farmyard manure. You can't do it with green waste because unfortunately there's a different kind of properties in, in what we're composting. But farmers are always looking for the cheapest way to, to do stuff. The only reason why Bakashi has become a more popular subject in farming is because of nitrogen. And it's all to do with the organic content. If I have 100 tonnes and I've processed 100 tonnes and I've pulled it out with a, with, a, with a trailer and I've dumped it in the field and I'm only going to get 40 tonnes back, that's a loss for that farmer. Yeah. Now, if I get 100 tonnes and I get you know maybe 70, 80 tonnes, 90 tonnes in some respects back, the value is, is in there they are going to still have to do another process. And this is not that farmers don't want to change, but it has to fit into their system. Yeah. Um, and when we start to talk about animal welfare and you know the, 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 the fact that the, the animals will also be a lot healthier, there is a, a knock-on effect. And we are, especially this year, we are getting a lot of traction because um, people now see a value in that nitrogen. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think there's been a lot more... In recent years, a lot more recognition of the value of nitrogen in the soil and of carbon as well. Global warming has become at the forefront. Yeah, and we uh, we live in a society where the government are trying to chuck a lot of uh, subsidies for doing stuff. Um, unfortunately, we live in a society generally, and this is to do with gardening, um, uh, with farms and everything we do in, in nature, and we talk about sustainability. Now, unfortunately, we sustainability to me means that we're already there <laughs> and we're not. Yeah. And the new buzzword is regenerative. And actually, there's a lot more traction with that. For me, and this is why I talk about the cash on a regular basis, if we get to a point where we are sustainable, brilliant. Maybe Bakashi won't be such a, a, a need and we can do composting as well as Bakashi. But at the moment, we need to get to that point. We need to start regenerating what we've lost. And that's no fault to anyone apart from education. 
and an informed decision is a better decision. And and what I you know what I always ask is that people listen. If they want to listen, we'll, we'll tell them about the process. And it's not that people don't want to listen, but maybe it doesn't affect them. And especially with food waste, that's one thing that that I find that when I'm talking to people about bakashi, they see it is it doesn't affect me. Either my food waste is put in the bin or, or put in, uh, you know, put into an anaerobic digester. We don't really think about it. It's a, it's a, you know, it's gone from my my situation. What if the government, and this is my kind of uh, my future of what I would like to see, what if we put a value on that? What if it costs you to take away? Uh, do you pay for green waste um, disposal here? I don't think so, but because I don't do it, I don't know. That's <laughs> my answer. So in Somerset, yeah. um, we pay for green waste disposal because they see new value in it. It's yeah. not a resource to them. Yeah. Um, but what if we did that with food waste? What if councils charge for food waste? Mm. I think we would have a different conversation then. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. I guess the only thing I would say, we are all paying for the waste because we're all paying council tax, and it's got to be paid for somewhere. So Yeah, and, and that, that's the thing I would say to any councils listen to this. Actually, what about if we could give a discount to people? Yeah. So you had a council tax, a X amount, but actually to not pick up the food waste you got a discount as a, a consumer. I know that I would be interested in that. Yeah. As long as it's it's used in the right way and as long as it's been safely done. And, you know, we as a company, we're we're definitely here to educate in any councils that want to be involved in, in looking at this for their own uh, waste b- disposal. As long as it's educated well, then actually what the councils want to do is not pick up. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, maybe in the future, with the informed decisions that, that are made, and with the education that we can give, maybe we can we can do a difference. Mm, let's hope so. Let's very much hope so. Well, Martin, thanks so much for joining us and sharing all this information. I think there's a, a lot to go off the back of this, and hopefully it's certainly got a few people thinking. It's certainly got me thinking more about it. If anybody wants to find out more, where do they head to? Um, so the best uh, place is Agriton. So agriton.co.uk is our main website. From May, you can go to agritondirect.com, which is our website where we, we sell our products. Um, if you want to have more information, please get in contact with us. We are here to help. Um, so if you've got any questions or queries on any of the products, if you just give us an email at info at agriton.co.uk, we can answer your questions directly. Fantastic. Thank you. And of course, I'll add links in the show notes for this episode. Martin, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. Well, there's everything that we need to know about Bokashi composting bin. I've got to say, I was absolutely blown away with everything that I learned throughout that conversation. My head was completely blown with all the stats and the figures and all the things that I learned throughout that conversation. And I came away from the the chat with Martin feeling like I want to give Bakashi composting a try. Now, Martin actually brought two examples of his own Bakashi composting systems with him. One was the type of container that they sell at agritondirect.com, the company that Martin the company that Martin works for. And these retail, I think the cheapest I've seen at the moment was £66. Uh, but there are different examples and prices might change, of course. But Martin also showed me the type of... But Martin also showed me his homemade Bakashi composting bins. And it was quite simply two of the very large industrial size... Mes- mayonnaise containers that are used in restaurants and they often are giving them away for free um, and he drilled and he drilled holes in the bottom of one and slid that inside the other and then he would put his his kitchen food waste and his bran into that container let the liquid drip into the outer container and use that liquid and this is something that I thought I can replicate at home so I got myself two containers these were actually popcorn containers 250 grams of popcorn containers so quite large and I've drilled holes in the bottom of that and popped that inside the other container and we're going to use that for our Bakashi composting we're just waiting on the brand but it's looking quite good on how we're going to use it and naturally of course I will report back just how well it works for us something I'm really excited to try and uh, 
very, very enthused just to see how much better compost we can make or how much better soil we can have. And therefore, we get better vegetables. That's my ultimate game. I want better vegetables like most of us. Well, I hope that has been of some interest to you today. It certainly has for me. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do leave us a review on your podcast provider. That goes a really good long that goes a really long way to helping get us found. Also, added to that, if you want to support this podcast, then please consider becoming a member of our supporters club. For £5 a month is what I charge to be a member. You get extra behind-the-scenes podcasts as well as a collection of seeds sent straight to your door every month. And those seeds can be sown that very month. It's a lot of fun, I've got to say. I find it to be a lot of fun. Now, finally, of course, if you want to get in touch, my email address is richard at vegrowerpodcast.co.uk. You can contact me through the website at vegrowerpodcast.co.uk, where you will find how to become a supporting member as well as being able to leave a comment on the bottom of a blog post or even a voicemail. And of course, you can find me on social media. Just search for the Veg Grower Podcast. We will be back again next time, and I expect it will be back to our normal format. This week was a bit different, but I think it worked quite well. So until next time, please take care.